covering sports in the Midwest. It's the Midwest Sports Network. MWSN.net. It's episode 192 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. And teaming up again with the Southwest Ohio Full Court Press. It's time for the 2020-2021 Southwest Ohio High School Boys Basketball Preview with Seth Keim and Tony Peters. This is the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly audio podcast that covers all sports in Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio, and covers areas from Norfolk, Kentucky, and the Ohio River up to Lima and Allen County, from Richmond, Indiana, and the surrounding Whitewater Valley region to Madison County and surrounding areas. If you want local sports, this is your source. To find your favorite way of listening to this podcast, as well as visiting the Tee Public and Redbubble shops and find the latest episodes, please visit sindaypod.com. This opening theme was created with the Splash app. It's time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. And on the phone is Tony Peters and Seth Keim of Southwest Ohio Full Court Press Podcast. Guys, how you doing? Well, hanging in, doing, Lee, doing our best. <laughs> yeah, doing doing pretty good. Thanks for having us on. We definitely love being on your podcast whenever you uh, bring us on. And I love that you guys are on my podcast and we're about ready to talk some boys basketball in the area. Now... Uh, of course, we should start off that last year it uh, ended uh, not the way anyone foreseen it, uh, meaning that we didn't award any championships in winter sports. What was your guys' take on that? Um, I, for me personally, it just left you know a lot of those unknowns out there. I know uh, a number of the the playoff brackets had some really good storylines going. Um, the first one that comes to mind for me was in uh, was in D3 with Stivers and the run that they were making. Um, you know, it was a pretty unprecedented run, um, and I don't really think that anybody thought that, that they would get to where they had gotten to at that point before it was called off, having beaten uh, both Taft and Anna um, at that point in time. Uh, that that might have been the biggest one for me, and of course then um, – you know, the matchup that was getting ready to brew between Alter and um, and Trotwood was another hot one that, you know, we just never got to see. Yeah, I think, too, and, and, and my, my take on it, I mean, it's unfortunate that we had to get to this situation, but obviously uh, with everything that COVID is and the people it affects, I understood why they had to do it. But to this point, yeah, I, and I, I definitely – would have loved to see if Moeller could have completed another undefeated season, which I'm sure they could have. Uh, and then obviously uh, Trotwood and Thurgood were, were squared up to meet up in the regional semifinals, which would have been probably a fantastic basketball game. It would have been a rematch for the two. Uh, Trotwood had won a regular season game on a buzzer beater. So I'm sure that regional semifinal matchup would have been another really tight one. So it's unfortunate, and I, I feel for the kids, the the 2020 class, that unfortunately their, their careers ended and on that note. 
Uh, and obviously, I hope that uh, the 2021, 22, et cetera, those kids, you know, are able to avenge themselves and hopefully get as close to, if not uh, an actual full season, if possible. I mean, if you look at the fall season we just had, it uh, it ran fairly successfully, uh, I think, across the board. I mean, you had teams that were affected by the coronavirus a couple times, in fact. The uh, first team that comes to my mind, the uh, Fairborn Skyhawks, they had it uh, three times, I think. But uh, most, uh, most sides got uh, opportunity to play in the fall. So do you guys think having – a fairly successful fall season where we gave out state titles and everything. Do you think that bodes well for the winter? I think it certainly sets the stage for it. Um, it, They've got some of the logistical things to work out with now bringing everything indoors. Um, I I think just as we kind of see the nation as a whole, as, as winter starting to hit, as everyone's starting to come back inside more often, we're having, you know, issues with that spiking nature you know, of the coronavirus, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've got social distance things is is much harder to do indoors. Uh, So I look for them to continue something like they did um, for, for the little bit of the state tournament that we got last year, um, especially towards the end down at UD uh, for a lot of the, the regional and district action um, where, you know, a, a student athlete is entitled to maybe one or two tickets to get, parents in um and then hopefully they still expand the role to media um i know the the three the three of us would all love to see you know them make some additional inroads in you know trying to help people set up connectivity to broadcast games whether that be through audio content or whether that be through you know a visual broadcast where where you can see more people call games because that's going to be the only way to to get a lot of kids the exposure that they deserve, um, especially when we know that attendance numbers are going to be locked down. I agree with everything Seth just said, and but I want to add too. I think a lot of the kids too realize that they have to do their part as well to have a full season. So that has to be following the protocols in practice, social distancing, wearing the mask, not just on the basketball floor and practice settings, but in school and their personal lives. And I think a lot of kids realize they have to do that uh, because they don't want to have a repeat of what we had to do uh, last spring with the, with the postseason being canceled. So I do think we will be able to have a full season. I do anticipate that, you know, uh, we will have teams that are going to have to cancel or have to postpone. It's, I've already seen a few that have done that, obviously, with Dayton Public not playing any games through December. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to work something out where they can play second half of the season. But I do think that, you know, the logistics will be there. Uh, as you said, the fall, they were able to make it work. I'm sure the winter will be the same. Uh, but as Seth said, there are a couple things we'll have to amend with us being indoors. But I have no doubt that if there's a will, there's a way. And there's definitely a will uh, across the area at, at all the high schools. It, it's a shame that it's happening. But I will say uh, during the fall, something I've noticed is the fact that you know, broadcasters and broadcasting companies have been able to, you know, expand their coverage and, you know, do more things. So hopefully that's still in the cards uh, for our winter season as well. So let's begin. Let's talk some boys basketball, gentlemen. Uh, let's begin with Division One, and we'll talk about the athletes, the teams, and the games to see. So whoever wants to lead off first, you know, Division One. Seth, I'll, I'll let you lead this one off. 
<laughs> I certainly think it's going to be uh, trying to talk schedule is going to be a little difficult just because um, we're going to have so much changing week in and week out. Um, you know, but as we as we start talking about, um, you know, some of those some of those teams, obviously the first couple that come to mind um, as your powerhouse is always in D one. You've got Moeller uh, from down in Cincinnati. Uh, and then from up here in the Dayton area, you're going to be looking at uh, Wayne. You're going to be looking at Centerville, um, probably as your as your two main culprits, um, and the teams that that are going to have the best shot to take down a team like Moeller. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's it's definitely uh, in Cincinnati. It's Moeller all the way. There's a couple other teams in there like uh, Lakota East, LaSalle, and Hamilton that I think could could be competing for that second spot. But it's really hard to compete with a team when, like Moeller when you've got five guys that are going to be playing college basketball at the next level all in your starting lineup. Uh, in terms of the local, you know, like Seth said, Centerville and Wayne are definitely uh, your two front runners. Uh, with Centerville, you know, everyone should know by now their sophomore, Gabe Cups. We talked about him last year when we were on your podcast, yeah. Lee. You know, he had a phenomenal freshman year. Had an even better summer. Got to see him a couple times in July uh, at the limited AAU events that were going on, and he's just continues to improve his game, uh, become much more of a scorer uh, this year. With the loss of Mo and Keba Njai, Gabe's going to have an even bigger role as kind of being the primary scorer. Uh, he's got a couple guys around him, and in, in Rich Wolf and Tom House that are juniors that are going to definitely help them as well. Uh, and then with Wayne, I mean. Seth, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Wayne lost anybody from last year. They've got basically the same lineup, uh, and then they added Prophet Johnson from Thurgood Marshall. And this was a Wayne team that, uh, had they been a little more consistent, they probably would have been one of the best teams uh, in Dayton last year. Uh, no, definitely. I mean, you're, you're you're talking about a Wayne team that still just also just has, uh, you know, a, a history of being very, very good. They've got Cam Fancher back. They've got Malcolm Curry back. Um, they're a big guy, Elijah Brown down low, Ben Palma, um, obviously star, now sophomore, Laurent Rice. Um, and then adding a, a guy like Prophet Johnson with with the defensive skills that he brings and the athleticism um, that he brings from Thurgood over to Wayne. Uh, they're certainly going to be a team that's, that's going to put up a fight for – for anyone around the area. Um, it, it's funny kind of to see profit jumping around from Northmont to Thurgood, now back to Wayne. Um, but certainly the kids got the skills that are, that are wanted uh, in many different places. And, and they may have, you know, one of the top two, I guess, sophomores, uh, you know, in the, in the area this year, obviously him and Gabe cups, I think would, would duke that out for the Dayton area. Um, you know, 2023. Uh, but, but yeah, they're going to be a handful. And, and like you said, you spoke to Centerville a lot uh, with the returning cast that they've got, the skills that they have. Uh, and obviously with, with coach cups um, and just his pedigree of having outstanding teams year in and year out, you know, they're always going to be one of the best coach teams. So I don't think I have to ask about uh, one uh, game you tell people see you know if you're talking about wayne and centerville and the g walk absolutely um 
you know, you go going down and look through it again. Uh, everybody will have to keep their eye on Beaver Creek, I think, as well, uh, out of the G-Walk and in D1. Um, you know, they made a pretty deep run for where they were at last year. Um, I know ultimately they ended up getting taken down uh, down at, uh, at Xavier, but they put up a heck of a fight and won some big games last year. They're returning uh, a large number of players. Um, and then as, as tough as it is, you know, you got you got also got to keep your eye on Springfield. They might not have as many weapons, um, but but when you've got the new coach headed in out there, uh, coming over from Thurgood, uh, you know McCullough's going to have uh, the Springfield Wildcats ready to play too. I think when you're talking G-Walk basketball as well, another team you have to keep in mind is Fairmont. Uh, they are mainly uh, junior focused in terms of their top talent. Uh, Anthony Johnson, who's actually from Lima area, came down to, to Kettering to play for the Firebirds last year. He's back. He's got two other solid guards in Malachi Parker and Desan Doucette that are both back. Uh, arguably Fairmont's best player from last year, Keon Wright, is no longer there. And we'll talk about that uh, when we get to Division Two to the school he transferred to. But I think Fairmont could be a sleeper. Their big thing is going to be just do they have the size to hang with Centerville, to hang with Wayne, to hang with Beaver Creek? Because to this point, Beaver Creek's got a very dangerous duo in terms of size with Adam Duvall and Gabe Phillips, who are both six foot seven. Uh, and Duvall is the type of player that he can play on the outside and on the on the block, so it makes him even more dangerous. Uh, and another team in the G Walk that I think a lot of people are not really thinking about, but they could make some noise, is Miamisburg. Uh, they were pretty solid a year ago. They do lose, I think it was like three starters from last year, uh, but they bring back Anthony Kopic, who uh, Seth actually told me about him uh, early in December in a game against Trotwood. And Kopic is just one of the hardest working kids you're going to find. Uh, he busts his butt on both ends of the floor. More uh, importantly to me, I think he's a phenomenal defensive presence. Um, offensively, he's still working on some some aspects of his game. But you got him. You got senior guard Alex Ball, uh, who was one of the better shooters on that team a year ago. And you got Jackson McGowan, who's a sophomore, but a really good football prospect too. So I think Miamisburg could could be a sleeper. But again, it's going to depend on you know can they defensively handle a team like Centerville. Uh, that can slow it down, but has all those weapons. A team like Wayne that is deep and has a ton of athleticism. You know, if they're able to to handle that, you know, I think they could could make some noise as well on that uh, top heavy G walk. Yeah, and 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 before we just before we I know before we move on to NED two, I mean, when we're talking about the region as a whole, and we start looking at the entire Southwest region, you know, Lakota East is going to make some noise down in Cincinnati. Uh, LaSalle's returning a pretty decent crew after a big win over uh, St. X in the tournament last year. St. X is returning a couple guys uh, in Kobe Rogers and Chris McClure. Um, you know, they're going to, those are going to be some teams that are going to give Moeller, you know, maybe not beat Moeller, but are going to give Moeller a run for their money. Um, right. And are going to make noise in, in, depending on how brackets work out come the end of the year certainly have more than enough talent to compete with, uh, you know, with some of the Dayton area D1s. I'd like to throw in as well real quickly. Um, I don't know if we're going to touch on the MVL real quick, but uh, oh, yeah. West, Car- West Carrollton out of the MVL, they, in my opinion, after Centerville and Wayne, West Carrollton is the next best team out of Dayton. When you look at 
who they have back. Uh, they've got Stanley Shrivers, who was a transfer from Ponitz last year. Uh, he's a really good athletic guard. He's back for his senior year. They got Alan Lattimore, who transferred over from Stivers. Lattimore was part of that yep. you know, group last year at Stivers that helped make that deep run, as Seth talked about earlier. He's with West Carrollton now. They added another senior, Deshaun Ferguson, who was the second-leading scorer for Jefferson Township. They got a lot of different scoring options. And then you talk about their size, and they've got two names to know. Ibaki Kadari, he's a six foot seven senior. Dude has got serious length, uh, phenomenal rebounder, phenomenal shot blocker. And then Sam Walker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, he is, he, for those of you who may not know or may not remember the name, some, uh, Samari Walker from Chaminade Julianne a couple of years ago. Uh, she went on, she went on to play college basketball at UConn in Kentucky. Sam is her brother. So, uh, he plays a lot like her in terms of being a, a force on the block. Uh, he's really well built for a sophomore. And, uh, I, I, to be honest with you, they've got the, the group there. You know, I could see them giving a Wayne or a Centerville everything they can handle. Uh, I'm just going to be curious with that many type of scoring options like Lattimore and Ferguson. Will they be able to mesh well with that returning group? Um, especially with them being, you know, primary s- scorers for their teams previously. And you can't, you can't forget the, the momentum that they came off at the end of last season with. I mean, they ran off something like 12, between 12 and 15 games off towards the end of the year. Um, right, right. Just went nuts at the end of the year and, and beating a lot of teams. The other dynamic that, that I will be interested to keep an eye on is with the COVID situation, how much schools limit it to interconference play only. I know yes. we're talking about some of those matchups um, and, and things that we <clears> want to see. Um, we might not even we might not get those until playoff comes comes around because, as we all know, you know they're going to try to probably keep it as condensed as they can. Uh, they being the different conferences and the different athletic directors that make up those conferences, you know, to try to get on the same page as far as what they expect from from programs and trying to keep everybody safe. Um, so that's another element to bring into the entire ba- boys basketball picture a- as a whole, not just D1. And we had that with uh, fall sports as well. The G-Walk elected to go conference only. I know uh, several Cincinnati conferences did that. The GMC did that. Uh, Eastern Cincinnati Conference. So definitely a big thing to still think about as well. I mean, some of the dream matchups that we like to see, maybe they'll happen in the playoffs. Maybe we won't get them in 2020, 2021 at all. So it's just something that uh, folks have to realize, you know, that might be a thing that happens. So let's swing over from division one to division two, Tony and Seth, uh, who are your athletes to watch and your schools to watch? Uh, Tony, I kicked off D1, so I'll let you kick off D2, although I think we're, we're going to end up on kind of the same page here before the, before all is said and done. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll start with, I'll start off with the teams first and then we can do individuals after. Um, okay. it, the way I look at it in D2, you've got really, I'd say four front runners and there's two kind of middle, uh, they could sneak up on you. Uh, those four front runners are Alter, Dunbar, Tippecanoe, and Troutwood Madison. Uh, starting with the most obvious one, Trotwood Madison, uh, they do lose a very strong duo that was Sammy Anderson and Carl Blanton from last year. 
uh, but they do bring back quite a bit of talent from that team last year. Uh, they added Anthony McComb from Thurgood Marshall. Uh, McComb was the leading scorer for Thurgood a year ago. A very gifted scorer uh, now comes to Trotwood, where I have no doubt he will be the leading scorer. They've got seniors in Carter Mims and Deuce Blake in that backcourt. Mims had a very good summer uh, competing in a couple, a couple different open runs. Deuce Blake playing well in the AAU scene. Uh, and then guys like Demonte Ragland and Tamir Blanton that played well as well. So Trotwood's got a lot of different weapons uh, that's going to make them quite a talented team. Um, Dunbar is kind of another one that's, you know, that Dunbar had picked up, I think it was like eight or nine transfers this year from various schools across the city league. Uh, their biggest pickup obviously being Makai Elmore, who again was at Thurgood Marshall. Uh, as you're kind of, I'm sure, Guessing from hearing us talk about all these transfers with Sean McCullough leaving Thurgood to go to Springfield, uh, a lot of Thurgood's roster transferred out. So uh, Elmore was just another one of those. He and Chance Amerson, both from Thurgood, are now at Dunbar. Uh, a couple other names uh, being Anton Allen, Justin O'Neill uh, from Belmont and Meadowdale, respectively. Um, Dunbar has a new coach as well, and Tony Dixon, who was Thurgood's assistant yep. last year. Uh, really great young coach. He's one of the better up, up and coming coaches, I think, in, in the area and maybe even the state. And he and he's going to have a Dunbar team that's going to, in my opinion, be good enough to compete with a Trotwood. Um, Seth, I'll let you kind of talk about Alter and Tip since I rambled on on Dunbar and Trotwood. But as as no, he's going to yeah. share, they're great teams it, too. Yeah, and certainly it the the dynamic of I, I don't know whether it is COVID and guys looking to try to figure out ways they can bring it together and keep things going, uh, but Alter was another another school that benefited from uh, from transfer rules and things. Uh, we talked about uh, we talked about Fairmont uh, and losing their top scorer in Keon Wright. He goes over now to Alter. Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Keon, no, Keon no, no, no. You're good. It was, it was, uh, Keon went to Oakwood. Certainly a team to keep an eye on with him and, um, um, oh, shoot. Will Maxwell. Um, certainly a team to keep an eye on, but it was, it was Ch- Ryan Chu from Bellbrook. Yeah, yeah. My apologies there, guys. Um, <laughs> Chu coming over from Bellbrook, arguably <laughs> Bellbrook's best player from last year. Uh, he kind of leaves, gave Pavlock their their sort of, uh, you know, a really athletic big guy. I, I know a lot of people were interested to see what Chu and Pavlock could do together. Chu ultimately makes the move after an incredible summer um, in a lot of the open runs that we saw him play and just lighten it up from all over the court and showing off uh, yeah, a, a much – higher elevated court vision that I think we, we had seen from him before he goes over to alter to team up with um, a big 2022 guy in, in Jacob Connor, uh, tall, lanky, yep. skillful. Um, you know, it, he's got the size to play down on the block, but he's their point guard. Uh, you know, it can handle the ball. He can shoot. Although I think uh, with Chu coming in, that dynamic will change a bit. Um, but then they've also got some other guys, Gavin Geisel, AJ Lean as well, who are other 2023 guys um, that are certainly going to to have a say in things. Uh, but Alter coming off a 22 and four season last year, um, you know, making noise in the D two bracket. 
I know Tony mentioned that Trotwood Thurgood matchup that we were sitting on. The winner of that game would have had most likely an Alter team had Alter moved past their matchup. Um, they would have been getting the winner of that Trotwood Thurgood game that was going to be, you know, a showdown in D2. Um, Alter certainly loses a lot of scoring and a lot of size with Connor Stolle and Brady Yule exiting. Um, you know, Brady leading the GCL co-ed last year in points per game. Um, Connor Stolle coming out with, you know, being top five in rebounds, in blocks. Um, but Chu and, and Jacob Connor now are, are taking the reins away from Stolle and Brady Yule. And Alter's going to be uh, a heck of a heck of a team uh, to face off with. Um, and then, Tony, you, you were saying we had uh, Dunbar, Thurgood, Alter, and Trotwood, correct? Or a tip. So, tip, yeah. Uh, the MVL. Um, certainly, they're going to be reloaded again. They had a heck of a team last year. Um, that, that made some noise uh, up there. Uh, specifically, you know, yeah, they lose Nolan Mater, uh, but they've got one of the top returning uh, seniors this year in Ben Knostman, um, who's been garnering a lot of attention. Uh, you also get a sharpshooter in uh, Zach Frederick coming back. Uh, kid who, big, tall kid, lanky kid who can knock down. Uh, his fair share of threes um, and another smattering of players up there as well. But, you know, they come off of, uh, you know, a division title in, in the Miami division last year. Um, but they're reloaded and, and look for them to make some noise in the MVL, um, especially out of the, you know, the D2 schools in the MVL. Um, so keep an eye on that. What were some of the games that you'd like to see in D2 happen, gentlemen? I know, uh, as we were talking about, I believe the G-Walk is letting teams uh, play outside of their conference. So Wayne will be at, (laughs) yeah, for now, Wayne is playing at Trotwood uh, later in December, I believe. That's going to be a great game between two of the area's best. Um, Alter will be traveling to Oakwood in January. That's a great matchup between Alter, which, uh, as Seth talked about, them being uh, a great team this year. With an Oakwood group that, like Seth also mentioned, they add Keon Wright and then Will Maxwell. That's going to be a good test for the Lumberjacks, uh, getting a GCL team like the Knights. Another one I'm looking forward to uh, outside of the conference plays is CJ at LaSalle. Uh, CJ obviously got hit hard with uh, a lot of their talent graduating. They do bring back some key names, and, and as Seth mentioned, uh, in Division One, LaSalle has a good core group coming back, so that's going to be a good test for the Eagles in terms of going on the road uh, and play, playing a LaSalle team that has been very successful in the GCL the last three years. I think that gives us a nice diving point to Division Three, gentlemen. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in first off and say D three. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> unlike last year, uh, I felt like last year Division three, we it was pretty obvious that we had about three or four teams uh, that were pretty solid. This year, it is not that case at all. Uh, you've got, in my opinion, six teams out of the, the Dayton area that um, you know they could make some noise, but there really is no true uh, favorite overall. Uh, 
I, I think I'll start before I get into those. I'll start with the one. I think Seth, you'll agree with me on this in terms of the Cincinnati teams. Uh, Taft is probably going to be your best team overall, regardless of, of Dayton area or Cincinnati. They bring back the best prospect in the class of 2023 in the state of Ohio and Rayvon Griffith. Griffith um, yep. He had a phenomenal freshman year and they do Taft does lose uh, quite a few players from last year. But Rayvon, uh, you know, you, you just got to put the right guys around him. And I think that team can can be a lot better than last year. Obviously, uh, that team took an early exit to Stivers in the district finals. And, and we had been one of many people that thought Taft was going to win a state title last year. So obviously that team uh, loses a lot. But having Rayvon back uh, makes them, in my opinion, the favorites, uh, regardless of, uh, you know, Dayton area and Cincinnati, Southwest Ohio as a whole. Uh when you look at the the, the Dayton teams, uh, Dayton Christian is is definitely one of the first ones that comes to mind. Dayton Christian in Greenview, uh, Dayton Christian they bring back several guys from last year: Evan, excuse me, Evan Demeray, uh, Devin Dreyer, Isaiah Edwards. Uh, the, all these guys, you know, they're not big time names that you've heard of because they don't go out and score 20, 30 points a game, but but they play hard. You know, Demeray didn't put up a lot of big numbers that wise, but when he was on the floor, he's one of the hardest working guys you're going to find. Uh, Dreyer at 6'4 has good size for an NBC player. Uh, and then Isaiah Edwards is only 6'2, and he was a freshman last year, but uh, he was probably the best rebounder I saw in any of the games Seth and I watched. I mean, he has a ton of heart. He's extremely physical, uh, and he's back for his sophomore year. So I think Dayton Christian has uh, quite a bit of talent back. Uh, Greenview, I think Seth will agree with me on this too. Uh, they they've got a, a really good duo that we were very high on last year. Well, I would and I uh, would even push that to a trio potentially um, with the younger Caudell brother as well. Oh yes, yes. Even <laughs> I know Caudel, you're about yeah, to say Rhett, Rhett Birch <laughs> and Cole Allen certainly. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Gabe Caudell leaving after last year certainly hurts Greenview a bit, but they bring in little brother to take the reins over on the younger end of things, certainly. <laughs> uh, yeah. They'll certainly have some good games out in the OHC, um, particularly in that South division with, with Cedarville, um, Cedarville being D4 in any case, but Greenview will definitely be a team in D3. Yeah. Uh, and then Miami East is another one. Miami East, they may be a, a year or two away from being their full potential, but uh, they've got, two freshmen in Wes Enos, Wesley Enos and Jacob Roth that I first saw them over the summer watching some live stream stuff when they were playing in Fort Wayne. And then I actually got a chance to see Wes play live at a, a team flight world's tryout uh, with Chris Wright. And uh, he is, Wes is, is ready for the varsity level and, and his you know work ethic and his physicality is going to be something I don't think a lot of cross County conference teams are going to be able to match. Uh, and then they also add Nick Prince from from Graham. He's a sophomore. Uh, he was the third leading scorer at Graham last year, put about nine points a game. So you add him. That Miami East team, they got one one senior in Sam Zapodka, who was all conference in the cross county conference. So a lot of that talent is younger, and that's in the freshman through junior class. So it could be another year before they're at their potential, but there's still no doubt in my mind they're going to be solid. And then I think the, the last two. Um, and Seth, feel free to jump in on any of these if I, uh, I'm hogging the mic too much here, but, um, national trail, Preble Shawnee, and then, uh, Springfield Shawnee are, are three more that I would say are, 
are, are definitely up there. And I know we saw a national trail play last year and, and we're very high on Cameron Harrison Cameron and his Harrison. team. Yep. Yep. Uh, obviously Preble Shawnee, they've got a really good duel in uh, one of the better scores in the area in D3 with Bryce Singleton. I know we've watched him uh, as well as another one, uh, a young kid coming in, uh, freshman Mason Shrout as well. Uh, those two, both Singleton and Shrout, are going to lead Preble Shawnee. Um, they're going to be a dangerous duo to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, you mentioned National Trail. They're certainly, you know, they've just got the pedigree. You know, they're coming off of a 12 and 0 record in conference last year, 19 and 3 overall. And they were marching through a D3 last year. Um, you know, having some really good games before everything ended. Um, Tony, I think you know a little bit more about Springfield Shawnee than I do, so I'll let you expound on them a little bit. Uh, yeah, they so uh, down from D two, correct? Yes, they did, and that's partially why I, I kind of have them in this list. Is you know they were fourteen and nine last year, I believe, uh, in the CBC. Uh, and that CBC, it's one of those conferences that although Seth and I don't get to see as much, uh, we still do follow in terms of like checking out, uh, their, the website as well as just like talking to people in our networks that do see that. And one thing with Shawnee is they're, they have a really good group of guys coming back. They lost their leading score from last year and Isaac Simon, but they bring back a group that there's a lot of optimism that this team, especially moving down to division three, that they could be a sleeper, even if they have a rough regular season in the CBC. Uh, they've got two guys in particular back, Drew Mitch, who's a senior, uh, one of the better rebounders in the CBC a year ago, and then Patrick Foltz, who's another really good guard for them. Uh, they, you know, th- that could be the ceiling there is they could be as far as a sectional final uh, team, in my opinion. They could even maybe make some noise into a district final appearance if they get the right matchups. But it's really going to depend on uh, who they get. Because like I said, Division Three this year, it is not as cut and dry with your, your clear-cut favorites as last year. Uh, it's very possible that your top teams come tournament time could get knocked out uh, very early on in the tournament. So, you know, I think Shawnee, if they get the right matchups, they can find themselves with a deep postseason run, uh, even if they kind of get beat up a little bit uh, in the Central Buckeye Conference. So let's swing down to the actually uh, some of the games that you'd like to see in D three. Definitely Miami East and National Trail in that cross county of conference. Course. I I think those two and then Tri Village, who we'll talk about in Division Four, uh, are your three front runners. So seeing those guys face off with one another, uh, Seth, you already kind of foreshadowed Greenview and Cedarville. Cedarville um, yeah, a little bit, a little. I guess that's a little. D3 and D4 action, but those are some other really good games uh, that are going to go on with D3 teams involved. Um, you know, there. I mean, it, it's not as, as clear-cut as it's been in the last few years, uh, certainly. Um, again, I think a lot of it will play into the type of matchups that we get out of conference play um, that tends to happen less and less in the smaller uh, divisions in D3 and D4, but we will still see them. Um, just maybe not as widespread. I will also say, too, for uh, Twin Valley South, I know um, 
we're talking about Miami East, Tri Village, and D4, and uh, Miami East and National Trail. But uh, this is going to be the first year uh, without Tony Osberger as the head coach. He was there since uh, the late 80s, and now he's the AD at Tri County North. But he retired from Twin Valley South last season. The court's named after him now. I mean, it's it's a new day in West Alex, and it's it's something that I think is going to be very interesting to see. Definitely. Let's swing over to Division 4. I know we already uh, touched up on Tri-Village, and who else to look for in the 4th Division? Um, I would definitely say a team that you've got to keep your eye on once you get to the D4 bracket is going to be Botkins. Um, There's a handful of them here. Botkins, Cedarville will be a team to keep an eye on. Uh, As always, Fort Loramie reloads. Jackson Center, always. New Miami, after making you know some runs in tournaments, they've got a couple guys back that are that are pretty solid. Um, you know, those would be probably my top my top teams there. Tony, do you have any others to add to just the team list? I would like to add Fairlawn on that list as well. Yeah, uh, they're de- they're definitely. I don't I don't think they're at the same level right now as Bodkins and in Fort Laramie in terms of Shelby County Athletic League teams, but. They do bring back uh, the Piper twins and Ashton and Skyler Piper, uh, as well as I think they only lost like one senior from last year. So they're going to bring back a, a team that was very successful as well. So I think you hit the nail on the head there in terms of your teams. Uh, and, and you know, I would say the Shelby County Athletic League, especially, is going to be really it's going to be such a tight league this year. Uh, last year, even the year prior with Anna being as good as they were, you know, it really was just Anna against the world. But this year, I mean. Seth already mentioned Botkins, Fort Loramie, and Jackson Center. Those three, I've seen so many different people say uh, how different ways how they think those three are going to finish with all three of them being in different spots. I mean, you really can't go wrong with whoever you pick to win that league. Uh, but like I said, and then like I said, Fairlawn uh, in there as well. Uh, and then I want to go out on a, a note here as well. You know, New Miami, Seth and I talk about them a lot just because for two straight years they've made that district finals. Uh, and, and I remember Seth, one of the things we talked about last year when we talked on Lee's podcast was New Miami was had a, a lot of those kids were going to be juniors and we did anticipate yep. them getting back to the district final and they did, uh, ultimately fall into Fort Lormie. I think this year they're finally going to make that run. Um, ready to take Cincinnati. That Absolutely. Yeah. Cincinnati Christian would have been the only team out of Cincinnati. I would have anticipated them competing with and Cincinnati Christian's best two players transferred out to uh, GMC schools. So I think this is new Miami's to lose. And frankly, um, if I'm a Dayton team, when it comes to bracket picking, I'm going to try to avoid new Miami knowing that two straight years getting knocked out of the district finals. I would not want to get in the way of that senior group uh, and, and possibly take away a, a third and final opportunity for them to make, uh, it to the regional tournament. No, but then again, you also are going to have to avoid teams like Jackson Center and Cedarville as well, because those guys and and Botkins. I mean, those top four teams are going to try to avoid each other at all costs. Right. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Tony, I know just kind of going. I guess I'll, I'll start alphabetically from players wise in terms of team from Botkins. Uh, big guy here that you are very, very high on in Jacob Plyman. Yeah, uh, that that kid, in my opinion, is if there is a dark horse uh, or a, a stock riser that happened this summer, 
it was Jacob Plyman. I mean, n- nobody in, knew, was talking about him or knew about him uh, because of, of just kind of where he's located with Bodkins and the fact that he was a sophomore. And then he absolutely showed out in terms of, uh, you know, uh, AAU. I got to see him play in, in Indianapolis, and he played phenomenal uh, with Middle Ohio Pumas. And then uh, he was invited to the Team Flight World tryout, and, and Jacob absolutely obliterated everybody. Uh, you could tell that he, he's got a phenomenal work ethic. Uh, he's going to outwork whoever he's assigned to guard or whoever's, you know, he's being tasked with trying to score on. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just a great young man too. You know, one of the most respectful guys I've gotten the pleasure to talk to, um, since I started doing, doing this and doing the basketball coverage and, um, you know, with, you can't, you can't forget the, you can't forget the story of, you know, you want to go and find out how much of a hard worker this kid is. He gets invited to, to the, you know, your team flight world tryouts, um, just because he's one of the bigger kids in the area and no one really, you know, no one was really giving him a second thought. And he goes out there and starts taking names and kicking butt uh, along the way. And you come to find out, and we, we sat down with Chris Wright, um, you know, a couple weeks ago here and interviewed him. And he was talking about how for a tryout for what's an all-star team, this kid, Jacob Plyman, was sitting there and was studying his matchups that he was likely to come up in. He was watching film for a tryout. That, to me, there, I don't know that there's another kid, D1 through D4, that was at that tryout list of best players in the area that would have had the work ethic and the desire and, and the will to just to do something like that, just to figure out where his advantage was, how he could shore up his defensive game against these guys, knowing that, that he was underlooked. That is, that's a crazy story to me. And I'm going to tell that anytime anybody asks about, you know, a story of a kid who works hard, Jacob Plyman is going to be the first name off my tongue. Absolutely. And, uh, and not, not to take away from Jacob, but obviously as we're going through these players as well, uh, his teammate Jaden Pretty Powell is another one that yep. you know when when you're looking at personnel, uh, he's I would say in my opinion he's one of the fastest, if not the fastest player I've seen in this area. I mean when you watch him handle the basketball, it's it when I say it's a blur, it's a blur. That's not an exaggeration. He's that quick uh, with the ball in his hands, and he's so great of a decision maker uh, in terms of making the right pass. You know, using breaking out a defender, using that dribble to get in the paint uh, or to set up a guy on the wing. Really, really great guard. And I think that, you know, he's, he's just now kind of starting to get some, some interest at the collegiate level, which I think is a little too late. He should have been getting that type of, um, exposure back in his junior year, but no doubt with his senior year coming, uh, as long as we're having a season, I guarantee you he's going to pick up, uh, even more college interest and more offers, um, in terms of that. Uh, continuing down the office. Cedarville. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Cedarville coming back, two seniors this year uh, in Trent Coning and Isaiah Ramey. Uh, mm-hmm. Two kids that were crucial uh, to Cedarville's team last year, uh, ultimately making their exit to Jackson Center in the district bracket um, that was played up at Vandalia Butler. Uh, we watched them a number of times last year, so we know we know the type of of work ethic that these kids have. Trent is 
one of the best shooters in the OHC. Uh, dude's just got fire on his arm at times, it seems like. Uh, Isaiah Ramey being one of the bigger kids from down there, um, especially in the D4 area, uses his size, his athleticism. I know he's been putting in work, um, you know, all summer long, all winter long, you know, spring, summer, it didn't matter. He was putting in work. Uh, I, I don't know that there were many open gyms, Tony, that we went to where where Isaiah wasn't in the gym. Um, and, we, and we know Trent was out playing AAU with his guys um, and making noise, but they're going to be a heck of a team again this year. Um, you know, they get a, you know, they, they obviously they lose Colby Cross, you know, their number one scorer from last year, but they've got some guys like Kalen McKinnon, Hunter Baldwin, uh, that are going to be back that, that give them a little bit more size. Uh, and they're not going to be an easy out for anybody in D4. No, they're not at all. And and like we said, you know, it's it's really them and Greenview and that uh, OHC South. And South. I think that yeah, South, yeah, that size that they've got uh, with the guys you named, I mean, that's going to be be huge. And, and to a point on Isaiah, I want to bring up too, as, as you said, you know, he's definitely been in the gym. He's in the weight room. Uh, I got to say too with Isaiah, like one thing I've noticed with him is I've seen a lot of maturity to his game. I know yeah. last year, a couple of times we watched him play and it just kind of felt like he was maybe taking plays off here or there. Uh, and it was kind of a question mark, but really uh, every open gym we saw that him playing, I mean, he was playing hard. He was playing physical. There was no sort of question of where, where his work ethic was and if he wanted to be on the court. And I think if he plays like that, Every single night, he's going to – in D4, yeah, he's going to be uh, – you know, he's going to be considered for all conference honors for sure uh, with that type of work ethic. Um, continuing to move down, uh, I'm going to jump over Fair to Fort Mormon or oh, Fairlawn. Yeah, touch on Piper Brothers. Yeah, we're just briefly – you know, we kind of talked about yep. them uh, when I brought them up. But, yeah, Ashton Piper was first team all district a year ago. A really good offensive player. Obviously, we got we got to see him play live against Covington, and, and unfortunately, yeah. Covington really defended him hard, so we didn't get to see his full potential. But him and his twin brother Skyler are, are definitely uh, two of the best players in that league, and I think Ashton's going to be uh, even better this year. Uh, going over to Fort Lormie, they've got a couple guys. Seth, uh, I'll let you kind of touch on them because uh, I know you're really high, especially on Caleb Meyer. Yes, correct. Uh, so Caleb Meyer, Caleb Maurer, and Grant Albers um, are your names to watch from these guys. Obviously, Fort Lormie, they're, they seem to be year in and year out. They're just, they're flat out good. They know how to win. Um, they've got a style of basketball about them uh, that, that makes it very tough. They like to slow the game down a bit. Um, and for a D4 team, you can tell these boys are corn fed because they're something <laughs> huge. Um, it, it's, it's hard to find teams that have that much size in D4 in the area. Certainly guys like Aiden Reichert from Jackson Center, um, you know, and Isaiah Ramey who, who have some of the, you know, the taller frames, the stronger frames can, can really, you know, make a difference. But hey, I'll tell you what, man, it's it's tough going against uh, these Fort Laramie boys because they are they're just tough. I mean, no doubt about it. That's just that's that's what they do. Um, they generally play really, really sound defense. Um, 
year in and year out and and they just bleed you dry at times um so certainly fort Loramie a team to work look out for uh tony i'll throw it over to you for jackson center because i know you're really big on their two guys Riker and reese yeah you want to talk about corn fed um aiden Riker and camden <laughs> reese are definitely uh in that conversation my gosh uh where do i start aiden Riker? uh first of all yeah, I'm very high on Aiden Riker because I give credit where credit is due, especially when it comes to basketball players that uh, they, they compete hard on both ends of the floor. And I've had conversations with people that want to talk about, you know, Aiden's too small uh, and he's only 6'4". And honestly, like that doesn't matter. You know, it, it the size doesn't matter. If you are you have that work ethic, you will be able to beat anyone, whether they're 6'3 or 6'9. And I truly believe that. And Aiden definitely – is a hard worker, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, I don't think you'll find anybody in the state of Ohio that works harder on the defensive end than Aiden does. Uh, and that's yeah. saying a lot. That's saying a lot, in my opinion. Uh, he's got, obviously, teammate Camden Reese, who's a sophomore. Uh, Camden Reese being a uh, six-foot, three-inch uh, post player for Jackson Center a year ago. Uh, he doesn't look like a – he didn't look like a freshman last year. Uh, when you look yeah. at him first glance, he definitely looked more like a senior with his build. Uh, very great rebounder, very good defensive awareness and, and defensive skill set. Uh, obviously, the, this is a testament to, to Coach Scott Elker and how he and, you know ingrains defensive basketball into his players' heads. Um, so those two are definitely uh, two of the best in that league. I'm going to jump to Tri Village real quickly because I want to make a bold statement that uh, Lane Sarver. I put this on my Twitter back in in the spring and i just want to put this on on lee's podcast so it's out in audio as well um i truly believe that lane sarver will be the best player in the dayton area uh by the end of his uh senior year in 2022 i think he and by that i mean he will be the best player in the area uh and and he may even be in my opinion one of the best players ever come out of tri-village when he's all said and done um that's how good of a player this guy is and if you haven't gotten a chance to see him play yet, I highly recommend it. Like, circle his name and go watch Tri Village play if you can. Uh, especially now that Josh Sagister is back as the head coach for that team, uh, he has a way of, of getting the best out of his players. And when you have a kid with Lane Sarver's athleticism and talent with that type of coaching, uh, look out is all I have to say to the Cross County Conference. Look out. Um, he is going to be something special. I'm telling you that right here, right now, right here, right now. You're hearing it here first or for the third time if you've seen my Twitter. But yeah, he's Lane Sarver is definitely a guy that's going to be, uh, in my opinion, you know, one of the best in the area. And his teammate Wilson Suggs, a uh, sophomore, another kid that, that works really hard. And, and really, Tri Village's team as a whole, they got a lot of uh, sophomores and juniors on the roster that I think all of them are a hardworking group of kids. And, and any one of them, uh, beyond Sarver and Suggs could really make it on this list. And then I know we mentioned we mentioned New Miami just as a whole and as the team, uh, but but they're two guys. Uh, Dan's a Duncan. He he might be one of the most crafty finishers that I've seen in the Dayton area in the last couple of years. Yep. Uh, the kid just finds a way to get in the lane, get to the rim, and finishes. Um, He's he's got a really quick step and and can make some moves, uh, and then he pairs up with Jordan Robinette, uh, a little bit more of a shooter, uh, in Jordan's case. Um, but but in any case, that new Miami team's not going to be an easy out, like Tony said, for anyone. Um, and Duncan and Robinette are why. So, 
Uh, that pretty much wraps D4 for the most part, correct, Tony? I'd say so. Um, I mean, if you're if you want to know any matchups, uh, you know, Botkins, Fort Loramie, Jackson Center, Fairlawn, those four, any sort of combination with those four, uh, I think is definitely something worth watching. Uh, Tri Village again. If you get a chance to see them play, I know in the past they've been one of the few teams out of the cross county conference, at least from what I've seen, that that will go out and play like Division One or two schools. Um, so if if they get a chance to come to one of the big schools out of the MVL or Southwestern Buckeye League, they're definitely worth watching. Uh, and then you know again Cedarville Greenview is probably that matchup out of the OHC. I would definitely circle yeah. on your list if you're wanting to see uh, a good basket, good competitive basketball game between two hardworking teams. So guys, we covered all four divisions. Now let's have way too early uh, predictions for you know maybe conference champs, division champs, maybe even state champs. What do you what do you see? Uh, I, I mean, I guess going from D1, uh, you know, I think we we would all put Moeller on the radar for probably a state title contender, if not the state title con- contender. Um, I don't know that we can take that away from them at all. Certainly Centerville, Wayne, um, and some of those other teams like Lakota East and LaSalle, St. X are going to have some things to say about it. I don't know that anyone's got the ability to take down Duncombe, Alex Williams, the Aiden Turner, Aiden No Yes, and Evan Mahaffey. I just don't know that that's that there's a team out there that can compete with pretty much a D1 basketball team out on the court for Moeller. <laughs> um, if you look at the offers, every single one of those kids has D1 offers. I'm pretty sure um, there might be one of those guys, one or two that don't have D1 offers, but. Certainly, Duncan, no, yes, and Mahaffey do. Um, I would be surprised if Aiden Turner and Alex Williams were D1 prospects as well. So, the University of Moeller will probably win state um, <laughs> uh, from D1. I'm just playing. Just it's a funny inside joke that a lot of us have. Um, but certainly, if someone can find a way to take them down, um, that's going to be momentum enough to probably propel you. Uh, you know, to a, to a D one contention. Um, but certainly Moeller, the favorite there, Tony, you want to kind of add anything to that or, or start on on D two? Well, I'll add uh, a couple things here real <laughs> quickly with, with Moeller, uh, to, just to kind of add on to your point, Aiden Turner is a university of Charleston commit, which is D two, but I mean, they're one of yeah. the better division two programs in the country. Uh, and then Alex Williams is a Furman university, Signee and Aiden Noyes is University of Richmond. So four Division ones and an, an elite Division two, and then obviously uh, Evan. Mah- they don't have Will McCracken anymore. He moved out of state, but they have Evan Mahaffey back for a full season this year. And Mahaffey's already got offers from UC and, and Virginia Tech. Point being is again, you know, Moeller loaded with that talent. It's hard to, to compete with that. Uh, in terms of you know your Division one conferences in the area. You got the G-Walk and the MVL. I think we kind of talked about it earlier, but, you know, Centerville and Wayne are probably your two favorites out of the uh, G-Walk. MVL, I think it's going to be West Carrollton, maybe Tippecanoe, but, you know, I think more than likely West Carrollton with just the group they've got back, it's going to be hard to compete with that. Um, And then I know, and I just want to bring up, since we brought up, you know, Lakota East and um, and GMC teams like that, the Greater Miami Conference, I think Lakota East, it's probably a safe bet to win, but uh, 
I do have to throw in, I think Hamilton is going to be worth mentioning on that. They picked up mm, KJ Swain, uh, a Cincinnati Christian uh, senior, and then Sage Tolentino. Um, I cannot believe I never heard of this kid until uh, about a month ago, but he is a seven foot four star Auburn University commit that moved in from Hawaii. And Whoa. yeah, so he is. You were talking about if anyone can match up with Logan Duncan from the IU commit. Well, well I would be willing. I'd be willing to bet money Tolentino is probably going to be the guy that's going to be uh, matched up with Duncan and could give him some fits. So um, Hamilton and Lakota East are going to kind of run the GMC, I think. But uh, you know, to to make a, a long story short, uh, yeah, those are my favorites in terms of conferences, and then Moeller definitely is your favorite out in D one. Um, I guess then going into D2, Tony, um, I, I think we would both say Alto probably takes the GCL co-ed, correct? I would say so. The only team that maybe will make some noise would be McNicholas, but I think Alter is the yeah. clear-cut favorite. Oh, actually, yeah. I'm sorry. I want I want to – sorry. I want to throw in uh, Fenwick as well as a sleeper. Okay, um, yep. We forgot, we forgot to mention them when we were talking about Division Two, but A.J. Braun, Braun. Uh, the right state – is the right state commit at 6'10", uh, post player for Fenwick. They got a really good group there. I got a chance to talk to Coach Kelvin Moss. And he's very confident with the group he's got, uh, as well as just the, you know, the, the morale that is in Fenwick right now. I think they can be a sleeper, but my concern with them winning the, the GCO co-ed is going to be, uh, can they compete with the likes of Ryan Chu, uh, and Gavin Geisel and company? So, uh, not to, not to, uh, pause us for a minute, but yeah, I, I oh, think yeah. alters your, alters your favorite with McNick and Fenwick not far behind. Yeah, uh, you go to some of the other D2 schools. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't even know where Trotwood falls in all of it. Certainly, they're going to be in the mix for the team that's, that's going to be looking to try to make a state run. Uh, Dunbar's going to have some things to say about that. Um, certainly, uh, Oakwood's a team that could surprise some kids, uh, with Maxwell Pryor and Keon Wright coming over from Fairmont. Uh, right. they certainly have, a couple of guys that that could give give people some headaches potentially, you know, as a sleeper pick. I don't know that they've got enough there to hang with the likes of of Alter, of Dunbar, of Trotwood, um, but they'll at least make it a game. I agree. I think, and I think if the city league does play this year uh, again, Dunbar is probably your favorite. Um, Ponitz is, is probably your number two with uh, their their group they've got. Um, and I'm not going to, I won't jump in on, on Oakwood cause I think you hit the nail on the head there. They're your favorites out of that Southwestern division, uh, without a doubt. Uh, so D3, Tony, kick us off. Uh, cross County conference. Again, we kind of talked, I, I know Tri-Village is D4, but I'd say Tri-Village, uh, Miami East and National Trail are really your, uh, three teams that you need to know about in that conference. Those are probably your, your, your. Uh, heavy favorites, I would say. Uh, let's see here. The Southwestern Buckeye League, the, the Buckeye Division is mainly Division Three schools. Uh, I think Preble Shawnee, as we talked about, definitely got to be uh, one of the favorites in there. I think another one that we didn't talk about in Division Two is Milton Union. Uh, they're moving up mm. from D3 to Division Two this year. Uh, they got a nice group uh, led by Blake Brumbaugh and Sam Caseback. 
they may have enough in the tank that they can run with a team like a, a Preble Shawnee, but I think Carlisle's another one that can, can make some noise. Uh, they were down some guys due to injuries and, and, and transfers a year ago. Uh, having the full mm-hmm. roster means they're going to be a lot better. Uh, let's see here. OHC. Uh, Greenview, again, Cedarville. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, the Cedarville's being a D. I know Cedarville's D four, but D4, I mean it's it's, it's 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 them in, in Greenview at this point. Um, you know, I would say that's that's pretty that covers that one in Division four, Seth. And I think we kind of talked about the Shelby County Athletic League. Uh, but you know, what what if we had to pick a team, who would you take? I. I, I would find it hard to pick against Jackson Center. Uh, they're just too well coached. Riker in, in D4 is just too dominant. Um, yeah. Now, they may have – Cedarville is going to have something to say about it because they've got some of the bigger kids that can that can give Aiden some trouble. Um, and, and certainly Trent Koning and Ramey are going to do their best to make some noise. Um but then again, Jackson Center could run into a Fort Loramie that does the same sort of thing, um, or a Tri Village team that can give people some fits uh, with Sarver. Um, so it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely it's <laughs> Division Four probably is more wide open than it's been in the last couple of years, uh, just because Jackson Center mainly is a two-headed beast this year. Because I believe uh, Elkert's kid graduated, correct? Correct. So they're down kind of their coach's kid was leading them from an offensive, you know, pacing standpoint the last couple of years. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that dynamic changes with them. Uh, and that might just be the little piece that some teams need to be able to chip away at Jackson Center. Definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I think, though, I'm going to go the opposite. I would take Bodkins to probably win that, that league. Um, yeah. I just think that that duo of Pretty Powell and, and Clayman is is tough to match. And then we didn't even talk about Zane Paul, who's a four year starter for them, or will be a four year starter. Um, there's another Playman boy. I don't know if you knew that Carter Playman that has a lot of similarities to Jacob. I just think that group is is it's tough to match up with. And you know, I think Fort Loramie and Jackson Center definitely have the skill to compete, but that Botkin team is just on another level. So yeah, they're gonna I think dangerous, that's that's for sure. Yeah, I have to go with my gut, which is that Botkins is going to win that league. But, you know, like we kind of said, that's so D4 is a lot more open this year. Uh, and, and I think especially in the Shelby County League, you've got really three to four teams that could win that league easily. So you really can't go wrong with whoever you pick. Yep. So, gentlemen, let me ask you, what do you expect to see out of this season with the coronavirus still affecting us in the third wave kind of washing over us in the United States. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of teams that are going to have to have some gut checks, not only on the court, but off the court, Uh, you know, depending on what schools do as far as going back to more remote learning environments will certainly benefit athletics being able to continue. Uh, You'll have less exposure, less chance of kids, you know, contracting COVID and being forced to sit out. Um, we may see some casualties of, you know, inter, inter league games. So we may just get conference games until playoffs. Um, and I think it's going to be more, more important this year than ever to lean on, uh, you know, not, not to make a plug for, for any one person, but any service or group of guys out there, whether it's, you know, Yuli or us here, 
uh, even the Prep Hoops Ohio guys. I uh, can't forget uh, Miami Valley Hoop Vault uh, and what they do. You know, any exposure that kids can get this year is going to matter more than ever, I think, before. Um, I know we're certainly – Tony and I are both looking into ways we can ex- help expand our coverage um, and the quality of it, whether it's in the form of a live call um, or a broadcast of some type. Um, you know, you've been gracious enough to work with us and try to get us outfitted from an equipment standpoint. Um, but, you know, I, I think all of us that are in this sort of realm, um, you know, are going to be doing everything we can uh, to do as much as we can for these kids. I agree with a lot. I, sorry, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, Seth. And I think for me too, one of the things, I mean, I, I, I think we are going to see, um, you know, delays in the season. I think we're going to see teams that, you know, have to, to take a, a small pause uh, in, in order to kind of, you know, quarantine and whatnot. And I think to me, the one thing I really hope that, that kids do is they realize, you know, more than just about, I mean, obviously we want to play a basketball season, but I just hope that the kids are, aware of, of keeping themselves safe, not just to have a season, but for themselves uh, off the basketball court. Um, because I, I can tell you from personal experience now that I, I can say I've, I've had COVID that it's, it's not fun. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that y- there's a way to prevent it. So I just hope that that, that kids that are listening to this podcast or, you, you know, anything like that, you listen to your athletic directors, listen to your teachers, listen to your coaches, because it's not just going to save, uh, your season, but it's going to help keep you from actually contracting this because I can tell you guys right now, it's not fun uh, at all. So, um, you know, I, I, to answer your question though, Lee, you know, we will have delays this year. We will have, um, you know, it, issues here or there, but I do believe that uh, kids will work their tails off to uh, on and off the floor uh, in order for us to be able to, to have as, as, near perfect and as near uh, full of the season as possible. So pretty much basically if you want good coverage, follow the people that have their nose to the ground and <laughs> that's definitely you guys. And it's always been a lot of fun having you um, as sort of partners on this card <laughs> on this podcast when it comes to boys basketball season. So um, definitely always appreciate the friendship and always appreciate, you know, the uh, collaboration uh, between all of us and definitely I want to see you guys broadcast. So um, that's why I, I lent you guys my broadcasting gear. Cause I want, you know, I want to see you guys broadcast or hear you guys broadcast. So I'm, I'm excited to see what you have in store for this winter season. And of course, Tony uh, get feeling better soon. Okay. Appreciate that. And, and again, you know, I think I speak for Seth and I both want to say, we just appreciate uh you guys, you having us on today, Lee, and we appreciate everything you do for the area as well. Uh, we always love being on your podcast. I personally look forward to it uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, the last couple of years. So uh, definitely looking forward to another season and and uh, hoping for, you know, as like I said, as perfect as a year as we can get. Here's hoping we have a great year. Now, gentlemen, uh, we mentioned um, you, know, you got to follow the local people that know their stuff. How do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can find us Southwest Ohio full court press. Uh, you'll find us, although, uh, the tag is just at S W O F C P. Um, and then you can find myself at S 9 Um, 
And then Tony, your plug for your personal account. Uh, at Peters four, five, two, three. And then uh, our podcast being uh, on anchor and Spotify, um, as well as our website, swofcp.com. And I'll do it for this episode. Again, thank you guys. And Tony, uh, a speedy recovery. And here's to a successful boys basketball season. And yes, sir, guys. And Cheers, Lee. Thank you again. And thank yeah, you guys. Thanks, and hopefully next time it's, uh, it's back in person. <laughs> yeah, we hope so, too. Yeah, absolutely. And that will do it for episode 192 of the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Want to thank Seth Kime and Tony Peters once again for their time and their knowledge and sharing it on the local Sunday sports podcast. Those two gentlemen have a great product. If you want to follow them on social media, again, SWOFPC, Peters4523, and SKEIM09, all on Twitter. And don't forget to follow the podcast and myself on Twitter, the Lee W. Mallon and Sunday Pod. Happy Thanksgiving to one and all out there. Might be a special Thanksgiving episode in the works for episode 193. But seriously, everyone have a great Thanksgiving day. And don't forget to listen in to your local sports source. This is Lee W. Mallon signing off. Again, thanks to Tony and Seth for their time. As that wraps up episode 192, talk to you again for episode 193. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark SindayPod.com, the official website of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. You can also find the Redbubble and Tee Public shops there too, where all podcast merchandise purchases go to help the podcaster. Follow on social media at Sunday Pod and the Lead W Mowen on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This closing theme was created with the Splash app. This is Lee W Mowen saying thank you again for listening, and we'll talk more local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports next time. <laughs>